a misbehaving child. We have all experienced that at some point or another as fathers. But in that moment of misbehavior, we have a choice to make. Do we react and punish our children or do we respond and discipline them? Today, my guest is Brandon Jones, and he'll help us discern the difference between the two choices. Brandon is the founder of Be Dadly and host of the Be Dadly podcast. He's also a certified parent educator in positive discipline. After struggling to correct his own son's misbehavior, after relying on inherited parenting techniques, Brandon dedicated a decade to learning and implementing the most effective parenting strategies available. Today, Brandon wants to help you overcome anger, impatience, and frustration while learning how to get better behavior from your children without having to yell, spank, or bribe. My conversation with Brandon Jones on the Dad's Making a Difference podcast starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Brandon, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, brother. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad we were able to make this happen, and it's great to see you today. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Thanks for having me on. Brandon, I love being able to speak with other dads who happen to also be podcasters because, you know, we're just about to get into this conversation. We're both just going over all these tech things, and and it's like, okay, it's the headphones, it's the camera, it's the microphone, (laughs) and being able to connect on a different level, like, we're dads, we have kids, we're in relationships, we have wives, and but we also have these little things that we, uh, the minutia of our day that tends to steal our attention away. And I appreciate you taking time today away from your family to have this conversation with me and with the guys who are listening. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. It's a, it's a labor of love to do the podcast. Yeah. And, and so, so much goes into it. Yeah. And as I said in the intro, um, you know, Brandon's the host of the Be Dadly podcast, and we'll give you all the show notes and stuff at the end of where to listen to him. But I, I really appreciate your message. I appreciate your message on how you come to dads with, you know, you, you talk about so many things, and we'll, we'll dive into a couple of topics. But really, you're passionate about helping men, fathers, and parents in general, you know, with behavioral issues with their kids, mm-hmm. uh, things like punishment versus discipline with anger and aggression. And we're going to dive into that. But I'd love for you to share, Brandon, a little bit about yourself. So the guys who are listening to this, yeah, can connect with you and and know your story. Yeah. So I'm a father too. I'm based out of Austin, Texas. I started this company because I had a very tough time raising my son when we first got started. He had a lot of behavioral challenges. He had ADHD. He was diagnosed with a conduct disorder. And I was raised in a family with all of the old school traditional parenting tactics. So timeouts, you know, grounding, spankings, a lot of yelling, a lot of shaming. And I tried a lot of those tactics on my son whenever he was younger, and I was not getting great results. And it left me feeling frustrated. It left him feeling defeated. And overall, I just was really dissatisfied with my parenting tools and techniques. And so I decided to uh, realize that 
it wasn't uh, right for me to assume that my son was going to change his behavior if we were stuck in a habit loop. And so I decided that if anyone's going to change this pattern as his father, it, it might as well be me because I can't expect this little guy to change his behavior. So I started learning new pa parenting techniques and tools. And I started, as I like to say, change the inputs to get new outputs. And as I did, I saw tremendous differences in both um, how he was responding, but also how I was feeling as a father. And because I had lost so many years of being frustrated, I've decided to help give it back, you know, help other fathers so they don't have to go through the frustration, the heartache, the feeling of hopelessness when their children just aren't changing and they just keep doing the same thing over and over. And so today I'm, I'm very honored and privileged to be able to help dads and, and serve other parents uh, in this way. That's amazing. You talk about your son. What At what age did you start to navigate, not your age, but his age, did you start yeah. to navigate uh, these things with the behavior, the ADHD, the ODD? So I got full custody of him when he was five years old. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that kind of was the catalyst for me gaining custody was that he was expelled from kindergarten. Wow. Now, at the time, I had never even met anyone in my life that had ever been expelled from kindergarten. I didn't even Is know it was a thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, how does how does one get expelled from kindergarten? It's it's such a simple thing what you guys are doing. And I don't even think there's a lot ton of structure or anything, but he just couldn't make it um, in, in his class. And his mother lived in a small town. And so um, he was forced to have to leave. And he came to me. And it was at five years old that I recognized just how big of a challenge I had on my hands. He was doing bizarre things and just behaving in, in really um, unusual ways. He was doing a lot of attention seeking. There was a lot of erratic behavior, a lot of uh, hyperactivity, uh, those kinds of things. He was acting a lot more immature uh, for his age than other than his other peers, and um, it was really about five years old whenever we got started. You know, whenever I started seeing and realizing his his challenges. Can you expand on attention seeking behaviors? You just mentioned that, mm -hmm. and I've heard other parents speak of well, they're just seeking attention or they're just trying to get attention in that context. But I've also heard professionals in my profession say those are attention-seeking behaviors. Yes. Um, in your perspective, can you dive into those and explain those to the guys who are listening? Because already you've piqued the interest of guys who are listening to, oh man, that sounds like my son. Yeah. And so what does that look like, attention-seeking behavior? So attention-seeking behavior can be anything from nagging and interrupting to actually doing the wrong things on purpose. Mm. You know, it can be the kind of thing where it's like, let's say, for example, kids are playing well together, but my son might feel like he's the odd man out. He's going to try to get in between and disrupt their play or disrupt their game in a way that is unhealthy and, and even causes a negative response from others. The, the irony with attention-seeking behaviors is that it generally repels people which is the yeah. exact opposite of what the child is longing for. And, and that's really the heartbreaking part of it is that this child that needs connection so much does a lot of behaviors that repel people. Mm, interesting. So you're going through this period. You're, you've got full custody of your son. He's five years old. And I'm sure the next you know few years were intense for you as a dad. What is something that you learn about you learned about yourself or what did you learn about yourself during this process and during this experience 
Well, for one, I learned that <laughs> for being such an upbeat and positive guy, um, which most of my friends and family would just say, oh, Brandon's always so positive. He's always so positive. I worked myself into an extremely angry person as a father. Mm -hmm. And and that was so the opposite of what I always thought of myself as being. I always thought of myself, oh, I'm going to be this warm, supportive, loving you know, father, a lot like the father I am today. But whenever I was meet, met with so many frustrations over and over, I became a very angry, triggered father. And I had a lot of un, they were, they were kind of like unidentified roles within myself that I didn't realize, you know, really big, you know, boundaries around respect. Like I was like, I must be respected. You know, I had a lot of, um, a lot more self-conscious uh, behavior around what other parents were thinking, hmm. which was interesting. I always thought of myself as being pretty much like independent of, of, you know, others judgment. Well, that wasn't the case when I was parenting because when my ch child was struggling so much, I felt a deep, a, a bit of embarrassment and shame um, in public spaces when my child was the one who was causing problems or the one who people were like, gosh, get that kid under control, you know? And because I wasn't sure how to do it, it, it was extremely embarrassing for me. And so I discovered a lot of these parts of myself that I, I didn't really know were in there. And at one point I had this distinction that I realized that I was caring more about what other parents think than how my child feels. Oh, that's powerful. That's a powerful realization. Yeah. And of course I decided to start changing that and, and recognizing his emotional set points and working on making sure that I took the time away from the conversations I was having or the, the presence I was having with parents and start focusing in on him, especially in those moments because of seeing what he was really needing. And there's this feeling that you feel as a parent where, for example, you're having a conversation with adults and your child is struggling and you kind of think to yourself, well, just knock it off already. You know, we're, we're talking right now, or we're having this conversation. And what you don't see is how your child has been trying to connect with the other kids or has been trying to go and find ways to entertain himself. And he can't, and because he can't, he's nagging you. And, and so finding ways to take a pause for a moment, connect with him, you know, maybe not immediately when he's interrupting. So I'm not reinforcing that behavior, but at least taking it as soon as I can you know, taking a break from the adults and saying, Hey, I need to go give Sheldon a little bit of time. And I would go and connect with him and ask him what's going on. And you know, what's, what's he enjoying? What's being difficult to, you know, and then basically helping him strategize for how he can integrate with the group or how he can play, um, in a more effective way. And, and that would actually be really effective. And, and, um, you know, prior to that, I was really just like, this is adult time. You have your kid time, you go do your thing. And I didn't realize how, much I was kind of shooting myself in the foot yeah. with those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. That power of presence. And mm -hmm. we see, I've been there. Braylon, he was such an active kid and he is, he is a no personal space kid when he was little. Like <laughs> yeah. he was hugging people and he was right up on them. He climbing yeah. on people. And yeah, that, that, you know, repelled people a little bit because it was just so much. But he's like a super loud, outgoing, loving kid but often would be seen as, is he acting out? His behavior, settle down, buddy. And it would always be, dad, dad, come, dad, 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 dad. And then I would look and I would see that, why don't you go play with the boys? Go go play tag with the boys. And he'd be, no, I don't want to. And you're sharing your story. And I'm reflecting on those moments where I was like, it's not that he didn't want to, it's that he couldn't. He couldn't right. in that moment. 
because that peer relationship, that peer interaction was at a point where he knew in his brain it was unhealthy. And so he was going to the one guy that he right. knew that he could climb on, that he could hug on. And I was like, no, dad, just go, right? Mm -hmm. um, appreciate you sharing that story and that viewpoint because I could imagine that, you know, for guys listening to this, I know in my experience, and then I can imagine in your experience, this going through this and learning this must have been a frustrating process at times. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it it went from frustration until I had more knowledge. Mm. Um, once I had more knowledge, um, I was able to help my son and and be more effective in those scenarios. Today, where I'm at is it can be really hard for me to see what's going on with kids and be in a public setting or be at a party and feel the urge to share, but also not feeling the, um, and I don't want to say permission, but it's kind of like, you don't want to be telling parents how to parent, you know, but, but you see how you could help them. And, and it's, it's really a hard thing for someone like myself, for example, where I see these kid dynamics, I understand them at such a deep level. I know exactly yeah. what could help, but I also don't feel, um, like it's right for me to be correcting parents in spaces. Yeah. And so there's now this new frustration, which is that, Oh, I just wish I could help you so badly because I can see what would help you. And, um, yeah, it's just parents can be a little bit guarded when it comes to their parenting, of course, and, uh, and their children. And so anyways, it's taken a new form of frustration where it's like, I'm bursting at the seams to help. And, uh, I got to hold myself back. Well, let's not hold back right now because for sure, <laughs> you know, there's guys listening right now who who need some help, who aren't standing on the playground and won't be embarrassed by you sharing some feedback because yeah, I would say that you have expertise. You have lived expertise and you have researched expertise where you have made yourself an expert by studying this. Yeah. You've dove deep into this. And I can understand, yeah, you see something happening in public or in the park, and you're like, I don't want to tell them what to do. How can I frame this with have you thought about approaching it this way? Like you're just right. looking at a different lens to take, but right here, right now, you know, there's guys listening to this who maybe are seeing some behaviors from their kids. Maybe they're a bit frustrated right now and they don't know how to respond. Um, you're, they're getting the emails from school. They're getting the, the phone calls from the friends' houses, sending their son back to their own house. Cause he can't play nice quote unquote. Um, what, what advice would you have to those guys right now? What would help? So the biggest piece of advice is somewhat of a flip on our parenting philosophy. Mm. So most of us were raised with this idea that we need to make our children feel bad to get them to do good. And um, as a certified parent and a parent educator and positive discipline, um, this has become one of the foundational pieces for my understanding around great parenting. Children who feel good often do good. Children who feel bad are often struggling. So when you see a child really struggling, what you don't see is the inside of them also struggling inside of themselves. They're not trying to be power hungry or defiant on purpose. They just feel powerless, you know, and there's some part of their spirit is trying to fight for some sense of power and they don't know how to get in a healthy way. If you see a child that is, you know, attention seeking, nagging, interrupting, you know, disrupting the class, this is a child who's struggling to connect. They inside of themselves, they're really struggling to find that warmth and that connection that they long for. And so they do all kinds of bizarre things to just get you to look at them. And so 
what I really try to encourage parents to do is, is take a pause on the correction methods for a minute, because we, we find ourselves overcorrecting. So we're over-parenting, over-correcting, um, micromanaging, nagging. And what we're doing is we're kind of rubbing the sore part of that, that little child's spirit raw. And so what ends up happening is that we see a child, you know, kind of having regressive behaviors, having behaviors that are the opposite of what we're hoping to achieve because we're kind of pouring salt on that wound. So instead, what I encourage parents to focus on is connection. Your child longs for connection so much, and we have such a busy life. You know, we are busy with all, all of our, our occupations. We're busy with our, our daily routines. We have so many things going on. P people have more than they've ever had before, so that's more to care for. Um, we have strict schedules. There's so much going on, and what we don't realize is that our children have a very different set of priorities. You know, what we think of as priorities and rules are, are just so different. Children's priorities are play, explore, adventure, you know, parent priorities are just not the same. And, and so what we have to do is we have to take and, and make a special effort to drop in with our children, to sink into that connection with them. Because once you've satisfied that part of their heart, they are so much more uh, willing to listen and to behave and you earn their cooperation instead of demanding it. And so I really encourage parents to focus on connection over correction. I even encourage a ratio. I believe that if you are correcting your child more often than you are connecting with your child, you're going to see behavior challenges because you're, you're, you're not satisfying their emotional need. However, if you flip that and you're connecting more often than you are correcting, you will gain better behavior from this child. What they really want to do is just, they want to make you proud. They want to do good. They just don't know exactly how to do it. And when you establish that connection and secure your attachment to them, um, they're way more open and receptive to everything that you know. And you know, you're the, you, the listener and, and, and me, myself as well, we're exactly the same way. It goes back to that old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And our children are the same. Yeah, I love it. Um, I've shared a little bit with you about my background in education. And there's something that, you know, a lot of teachers will say is that if they could, they would, you know, yeah. if, if, if they could manage with this, they would, but connect with them, care about them, make a human mm -hmm. connection with them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that takes a lot of work and that's okay. Absolutely. It's hard. It takes intentionality to step back from your own emotions in a moment and say, how are you? What's really going on? Like, okay, let's wrestle. When you're just like, like we said before, frustrated. And I know that that frustration can lead in certain situations to anger, to impatience, yeah. which has this like quick response. Just do it I, because I said so. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men. To be, dad's making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives, 
and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. I know you're passionate about speaking to men about anger and impatience. Uh, when it comes yeah. to anger and impatience, what do we need to know to ensure that we are not falling into this trap of this, because I said so, response? So I always tell parents that one of the thing, reasons that we're angry is because we have no more room in our psyche. We have no more room in our nervous system. And so when we don't have room, the smallest right straw can break the camel's back. So the real name of the game with anger and impatience is creating more space. You need to have more space for those little things, those little triggers. And so there's a number of ways that are practical to do this. The first one is more conceptual, which is that things don't need an immediate response. You know, we think so often that we must correct immediately or else the child's not going to get it. And that might work, for example, if we're talking about a puppy learning how to potty train. But a puppy doesn't have a consciousness. You know, they don't understand time and space the way that we do. And so when we say to a child, for example, what you just did there was not right, and we will be having a talk about it, I'm going to think it through, and then you and I will be discussing this. It's okay to leave them on pins and needles wondering like, oh, no, what will this discussion be? As opposed to thinking that you must correct them right there in that moment. You must give the connection, which... A lot of times when we're triggered, our, our prefrontal cortex is so shut down. We can't even think of a good response. We can't even think of what would a good consequence would be or one that would be respectful to them. You know, So we just do the first thing that comes to mind. That might be popping them if you're like my father or mother, right? And it might come down to something else like saying, okay, that's it. You're, we're taking away your video games for a week when that was either one, just unreasonable in, in terms of its duration, or two, it was completely unrelated. Right. So it had nothing to do with it. So um, I really encourage parents to recognize that things don't have to be responded to immediately in terms of um, our correction methods, right? Whatever the consequence will be. We can let our child know if something's unacceptable and allow them to know that we need time to think about what a proper consequence would be for that. And we want to be using one that is effective. Um, and one of the most effective ways to do consequences is to make sure that they're relatable and that they're reasonable and that they're you know, related to that event. That's so important that the child understands why we're doing that. Um, the next thing about anger and impatience in terms of creating space in our, in our psyche and in our body and our nervous system is actually through our breath. So a lot of us are breathing in and out our mouths. And this is what's very interesting is that the breathing experts say that we should breathe through our mouths as often as we eat through our nose. That's like never, <laughs> <often>. right? Yeah, <laughs> not often. <laughs> So unless you've had a severe car accident or something, I don't know when they would put food down your nose, but essentially the reason that this is important is because our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system are directly tied to our breathing. And so the sympathetic nervous system is that triggered response. It's when we are very angry, we have a heightened sense of blood pressure. Um, there's tension in our body. We are in that fight, flight, or freeze mode of thinking. And so when we're in that mode, we're not going to be doing the best parenting. We're going to be more, doing more reacting than responding. 
So what we want to do is trigger what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. And the way that we do that is through breathing through our nose. When we breathe through our mouths, we're generally hyperventilating, which only makes matters worse. I remember learning about this. And one of the great things that always stuck with me is if you think about animals, animals always breathe through their nose. The only time they breathe through their mouths are when they're extremely nervous or they're exasperated. So, or they're exhausted, right? So that's when they're going to be breathing through their mouths. So what happens is that we get triggered and whether we realize it or not, we either hold our breath, which creates more tension. Or we start letting some of that fire out. And a lot of times that's through our words and stuff like that. So I just say, keep the mouth shut for a second. Take a deep breath in your nose. And a deep breath out your nose, which is different than the yoga breath where they're like, right. We're not doing out our breath. We're not going out our mouth. We're going to go back out our nose. So in and out the nose with the exhale slightly longer than the inhale. And so if we all do that right now, as the listeners and everybody, if we take a breath in our, in our nose, we're going to go up six and we're going to go out seven. Okay. So let's take that breath right here. What you should feel if you did that is you should feel a calming sense working over your body. And the reason is that when our sympathetic nervous system is triggered, our breath shortens on the exhale. So if we do the opposite, if we take an extra long exhale, if we blow some of that anger out before letting it out onto our children, we are more likely to respond in a way that we can be proud of. And so I really encourage parents to start connecting this breath with triggers. So the trigger system is this, when, then right? If you, if, if you're a programmer, you're going to be like, Oh, this is like logic. Yeah, exactly. So this is a when then scenario, or you could even, it's an if then. So when I am triggered, then I will breathe through my nose. When I am tense, then I will breathe through my nose. So now if you're in the car and you're in traffic and you've really got to get somewhere and you feel that anxiousness in your body, practice this breath. The kids are being super ambitious. You're trying to make dinner and you want them to calm down, which happy to give you a tool for that, by the way. But one of the tools for yourself there is practice this breath in and out the nose, exhale slightly longer than inhale. If you do these two things, you will create more space for those little moments. You'll have a bit more time so you can respond instead of react. And the last thing I'm going to leave you with is this creative and reactive, same letters, very different outcomes. I want to encourage you to be as creative as you can when it comes to your parenting, stay flexible in your approach. You'll find something that works. Um, It's the reactive part that gets us in trouble. So stay creative. Wow. I love that. Thank you for doing that with us. I, when you started to talk about breath, I found myself standing here focusing on breathing out my nose and not my mouth. And, um, it's a powerful practice. I'm going to find myself doing that multiple times over the next week. I am sure. Uh, yeah, do it every do it every day, man. I encourage everybody because it takes a while to reprogram. I'm even, but just so you know, I'm yeah. even wearing mouth tape on my uh, mouth when I'm sleeping at night. I get the most deep sleep mm-hmm. because I didn't realize it, but I become a mouth sleeper mm-hmm. as I as I sleep, and it's it's incredible the difference that breathing in and out your nose can make. I feel way more relaxed a lot more, um, calm. And I, my family's noticed a huge difference ever since I put this into my practice. Um, and it's, it's a big deal. Wow. Amazing. I'm going to look more into that mouth tape. 
I think that mm-hmm. my wife, my wife, there's a great company. It. There's a great company that's had a little playful thing on this. They call it hostage tape. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally, this is a tape your mouth shut, yeah. but it, it really does. I, I get a better night's sleep. I I went on a trip recently and uh, I didn't have, I forgot my tape. And um, so I noticed such a big difference. I just woke up exhausted every single day. And whenever I use the tape, I wake up feeling refreshed like I never did before. And it, it's, it's been a big difference maker. So you've implemented these tools, excuse me, these tools or these habits mm-hmm. to help from a parent's perspective. What role do habits and tools play in helping parents and children through these scenarios of processing emotion and of processing behavior? Oh, they're everything. You know, um, it's not, it's not the big things you do every now and then. For example, it's not the, you know, oh, I took the kids to the ice cream parlor, you know, on the weekend, uh, for example, but I missed out on every other small moment throughout the week. It's, it's not those big moments that matter. And the same is the truth when it comes to how we raise our children. It's not all the big moments. The big ones are great and they'll, they'll create some great memories, but it's actually a lot of the small moments that programmed us. We are often re- reacting out of our parents' programming. So we, when we are triggered, this is especially true, where we become like our parents. And, um, and so if you think about how, if we can get conscious about the kind of habits, whether it's re- how we respond to certain you know, scenarios with our children, how we behave with them um, when we're stressed, whenever we become better at those habits, we're actually giving our generations that are, that are coming down the line, we're giving them a benefit. You know, we're becoming a fork in the lineage. And, and I I like to tell people, you know, it ran in the family until it ran into me. This is where it, this is where it stops, you know? And and what I know is that my children are going to raise their children in a much more effective way. And even my mother, my youngest sister, she's so much younger than me that my mother has called me for parenting advice. And so we've actually had coaching sessions together, which has been amazing. And uh, she, my, my little sister had failure to launch. So she was still at home at, you know, like 22 years old or whatever. And so I helped, helped my sister launch with confidence, helped my mother, you know, bridge some of those uh, gaps that she was, she was missing and even helped their relationship get stronger. And so um, I know that our children are so impacted by our habits. And so a lot of the times what we're talking about when we talk about, you know, better parenting tools and stuff, we're talking about you breaking a cycle of old habitual behavior. And so habits are essential when it comes to parenting Um, and using things like implementation intentions, like a when then plan is a very effective way to create new habits having a small plan for how you'll respond when those moments occur and knowing what you're going to say will help you get out of the reactive space and into a space where you can feel more proud of how you respond. That's so good. And what I'm hearing you say when you shared the example of your sister and your mom, but what I'm hearing you say is that there's no time that's too late. So if you're listening Mm. to this and it doesn't matter what age or stage your children are at, you might be listening to this right now and you're like, well, my kid's 13, they're not five or they're 18, 22, they're not five. Well, I hear you saying that it doesn't matter that these are habits you can implement and start to introduce and almost, I don't want to use the word reprogram, but almost reprogram yourself and your practices to, you know, 
make yourself in make yourself a better parent in that space feel more comfortable and yep. well so much of this stuff and so for example the principle of seek first to understand and then to be understood this works phenomenal on children if we say hey what's going on here tell me about what's what you're struggling with and we go we go in and we really try to understand our children are so much more likely to to understand us right that they will understand us when we understand them and so that's that's just a relationship piece and then with my mother for example with my older or maybe my younger sister what we're talking about when we talk about children who have failure to launch or children who are struggling is where we see that they're struggling with certain character traits so they're missing a certain skill or character trait. And so the reason that uh, this works regardless of the age is because one of the, my parenting things is that we, we're going to reframe our, our challenges. Our challenges are opportunities to build character. Mm, so, so would, for example, um, let's say that I asked you, Hey, tell me some of the challenges. Well, parents will tell me things like, oh, my child's so irresponsible. They have no empathy. Um, they're so disorganized or their, their cleanliness is, is off and et cetera. So they'll give me these lists of challenges. And then I'll say, well, give me a list of character traits and skills that your child would need to thrive as an adult. So they go down this list and the list sounds something like they need to be responsible. They need to, you know, have, um, uh, grit and determination. They need to be able to empathize and understand others. And so when we map these two lists, the challenges and the characteristics, they almost always map with each other. And so what we see when we see challenges are actually opportunities to build a character trait. And so what we really should say is instead of how can I punish my child for this thing so they will just change, we what really is a better question is how can I help my child gain the character trait that would totally satisfy this challenge to the point where they don't have to deal with it forever, that this becomes a part of them and that this could be incorporated in their, in their body, whether that's responsibility, whether that's empathy, you know, how can I help my child develop this character trait and skill? I will tell you that if you come at your challenges, your parenting challenges from that angle, you can try a number of ways from, from, you know, different uh, ways of connecting to them, to stories, you know, that inspire them to role-playing with them, to practicing scenarios where you identify things like me and my children. I like to do what I call, you know, identifying virtues in action. Yeah. So, uh, oh, what, you know, what was that? Oh, he was, that was courage. He practiced a lot of courage there. Exactly. That's a great virtue. And so we, we identify these virtues and then our children want to embody those kind of virtues. You'll even see them like immediately after, you know, we identify certain virtues, they'll go and try to display those to me to really show me that they have that in them. And so what we're really trying to do is help our children have more character and have more skills. And when they do, they have more confidence. And when we see them have more confidence in their character and their skills, we can, we can rest assured that they're going to be successful in life. And I think that's a great place to get to as a parent where you go, I know my child is going to be successful, not because of their grades or because of that kind of thing, but because of the kind of character traits they have, the kind of skills they have and the kind of, you know, confidence that they're displaying. Those are the things that are really a great marker for success. And my children is displaying those. And so I feel a lot more confident that uh, I, I'm, I'm raising successful children. I love it. There's a lot of, we talk about growth often on this podcast, but there's a lot of personal growth in this process that you've outlined today. And You've shared so much value, so many tools. You know, if you're listening to this, 
and you haven't written them down, you're going to re-listen to it. I know you are. And you're going to start implementing these, these practices. Um, I have a question for you, Brandon, because you are an expert in this, but I'm sure as in your life, you still have your pitfalls, your ups and downs and things that you're going through. As a dad right now, what is an area of growth, an area of development that you're diving into right now that you're excited about? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think one that's been on my uh, heart and mind lately that I've been working on is is consistency. You know, I have, um, I'm one of these people who get really excited about things. So I have an incredible amount of passion for something as it gets started. And then the smallest little thing from like, say for example, spring break, it'll just, I'll have this great schedule and everything will be going. I'll, I'll be waking up early and working out. And then the kids go on spring break and we all take a little vacation. And then all of a sudden it is so hard to get yeah. back into my rhythm. And, <laughs> and so I'm just like, you know, and I, I value, I value my personal development so much. So I really invest a lot of time. I always have like two to three books going and I'm also audibling stuff. And, you know, I'm trying out different exercise routines and I'm just constantly trying to optimize my life. And, um, and so having consistency on the basics, the fundamentals has been something that has been a, a challenge, uh, but it's one that I welcome because I also know that the character trait, right. Of being consistent and, and having, having this kind of reliability within myself, um, is, is something that I'm developing as, as a character. I I love that you're vulnerable and you're open and sharing that. Uh, A lot of guys wouldn't be, and I'm right with you. We just came out of spring break and I was hitting the gym before I was like 430 wake up. Exactly. Same thing. It's like out of bed at six, you know, type thing. Oh, the time change. Oh, that threw me for a loop. So like, I like getting up at 4:45 as my like sweet spot. Yeah. Um and so I get up at 4:45, I get out of the door at 5 and I'm I'm at the gym around 5:15, 5:20 and I love to get out of there around 6:15 and get get to my house for 6:30 and start getting the kids up. Yeah. And uh the time change when the hour went forward, oh, oh. man, it just it made it <laughs> such a grind. And, uh, and then the kids are on, you know, the spring break is just constantly, there's all these little things. Life likes to throw us curveballs, And, um, and so it's, it's part of just finding a way to really bounce back from those things as quickly as possible is something that I, I've been working on. And yeah, of course, man, I, I don't mind being vulnerable about it. I'm so passionate about personal development, uh, that I am absolutely an open book. Um, I've, I've learned to just embrace my vulnerabilities because, uh, I work on them far more effectively than if I try to hide them. Yeah. Agreed, man. I've really appreciated this conversation, Brandon. I, man, this is one of my favorites, you know, it's so valuable. You shared okay. so much insight and thank you for sharing your passion and expertise with us. If there's guys listening to this right now and they want to connect with you, listen to you, read more about you, where can they do that? Yeah. So, um, you can check out, uh, www.bdadley.com. You can book a consultation there. You'll talk to me directly. Um, our first consultation is absolutely, absolutely free. I can drop some more wisdom bombs in there that are directly to, you know, direct to your specific situation. Um, and then also we have a podcast, the Be Dadly podcast. We're in episode four and, uh, yeah, that those are two great places to connect with me. I'm also on the socials at, at the dadly official. 
So you can find me there as well. There's a lot of tips on my Instagram page. Um, so hopefully there's something in there that will help you and your family out. Amazing. Brandon, thank you so much for taking time away from your family to spend with us today. And I look forward to staying connected with you in the future. Uh, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you were a father listening to this right now, who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, Go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind, a mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.